Welcome to the panel on RNZ National Malo Alele Tongan Language Week this week. I'm Wallace Chapman. Today, the race is officially on with both major parties launching their campaigns. We take a look and national laying into uh, these um, uh, the union's election attack ads. A big wraparound front ad, uh, front ad inside of the New Zealand Herald. Will negative campaigning be a feature of 2023? We discuss. Free dental health for under 30s, about time or a populist fantasy? Your thoughts on that. And new figures show 188 employers are now being investigated for migrant exploitation. An immigration lawyer joins us today. He says it is the worst that he has seen in 26 years. What's going on? And David Hasselhoff. He's been spotted in New Zealand. A friend of mine bumped into him. He said, hi, David. He didn't respond. But my question of the day is this. What famous person have you bumped into and said hello? I'd love to hear your stories on that. Uh, Me, George Benson at the Wellington Airport. He gave me a guitar pick. How about you? Text me, 2101. Email the panel at rnz.co.nz. And we talk about gaming as well. You love it, apparently, uh, all of you. Uh, so with us this afternoon is Moata Tamaira, writer, a Minecraft mum, and web content lead at Christchurch City Libraries. Moata, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. And Mark Knopf Thomas, he's the chief executive of the New Market Business Association. Mark Kiora, good to have you here as well. Kiora, welcome. Ah, now can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yeah, hear you beautiful. Again. We'll just turn you on there. Now to this white baiting, or more specifically the white bait fritter. It's a cornerstone of Kiwi culture for some. For others, it represents a conservation disaster, a native species overfished and on the precipice. It'll be open season on whitebait until October 30 this year after the season opened Friday. It's the second year in a row of tougher restrictions with limits coming into effect last year that saw the season cut short by six weeks. But do the restrictions go far enough for a fish species reportedly... In decline, and can we have our white bait and eat it too? With us, Tom Cave, forest and bird freshwater advocate. Kia ora, Tom. Kia ora. We had a keen white baiter, Peter. He's white baiting in, on the Banks Peninsula, so we thought we'd get a response from you. What is the state of our white bait population? Yeah, it's not good. Uh, we have five galaxid fish species in the whitebait catch, six if you count um, common smelt, and most of them are, are heading towards extinction. Um, so we've got at-risk declining species, and then we've got a threatened nationally vulnerable species. Um, only one of the species is, is doing okay, two if you, again, count common smelt, but yeah, all trending, unfortunately, towards extinction, um, possibly by 2050. Oh dear. Well, that doesn't sound... Like a sustainable fisheries, does it? No, it, it's not a sustainable fishery at all, really. And it's not managed like any other fishery would be, which is kind of wild. Um, we don't have a catch limit. We don't have a license requirement. Um, we don't really collect good data on the fishery. Um, and that's kind of unlike any other fishery. You know, you think about coastal fisheries, you think about recreational fisheries, you think about introduced species like trout. We manage them with some pretty strict rules, and um, it's not the same for our galaxies. Well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? We manage trout, moata, uh, better than whitebait. 
Yeah, I I actually only learned a few years ago that white bait are essentially endangered, and I haven't had any white bait since. Um, I feel like if you wouldn't eat a panda, don't eat any white bait. <laughs> That's where we're at, and I, I get that there's um like there's like a strong tradition, and people identify as being white baiters. But if we keep doing what we're doing, no, you're not going to be able to do it anymore, and neither are your children and your grandchildren. So, like, I, you know, and it's so expensive as well, right? So, I just, like, I don't think people should be eating it or fishing for it. Okay, so it's a big, it's a big no. Uh, It's a big big no no from Moata. Mark Knopf, Thomas, you're a fan of the white bait fritter? I love, well, I have loved white bait fritters in the past, but like Moata, I haven't had one for a few, quite a few years now, actually. I'm just going to ask Tom, so is there, is there sort of a movement or interest groups involved to try and do something to, to change the, the, you know, the, the, the outcomes for our white bait? Is, is somebody working on this actively to try and make it more sustainable? Yeah, well, I mean, sort of, right? So water quality, for example, was a huge issue leading up to the 2017 election. There was a big debate about, you know, wadeable rivers and streams. People might remember that and swimmable stuff. Fish mm-hmm. like swimmable rivers, right? They swim in, in the water. Um, and we kind of got over that and we got this national policy statement that's highlighted that we need to do something about water quality and habitat and pollution. Um, and councils are starting to implement those changes. We're only just starting to see them come through in the decisions we make about water. And that's a critical part of um, looking after our white bait because it's about the places that they live and the habitat that they have. Um, so there's there's some movement on that, you know. There's risks to that. Those those rules haven't been implemented yet. We we all supported them broadly as a nation, um, and we need to now act on those. But we also need to do things with the fishery. You know, it can't be one or the other. As long as we keep fishing these species the way we are, without things like licensing and, and recording the data and limiting catches, um, we're putting pressure on the species. And you know, we're we're never going to be able to sort of we can't do one or the other. We have to do managing the fishery better, reducing the fishing impact, and restoring the habitat. So there's stuff that can be done and that people are doing, but, you know, it's, it's not enough. Do you, because the thing is, uh, Tom, it's also, I mean, it's been, it's been such a, uh, I want to say, rite of passage for so many people getting out there and, you know, grabbing uh, a couple of cups for you know, their fritters for that evening. Uh, is there a way to make it sustainable? And someone, someone sort of texted me, actually, what about making it illegal to sell white bait, the same as trout? What about that instead? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about um, you know commercial white baiting effectively and stopping commercial white baiting. Um, again, we haven't got that as a rule, um, but yeah, we could farm white bait that kind of thing. But you, you run into all the same kind of problems, right? Farming fish has the same problems as farming cows on the land, right? You still have pollution, you still have intensification, um, and just because something is the way that we've always done it doesn't necessarily mean that we that we can just keep doing it because. We're just going to drive these species into the ground. Only one of our native fish species has gone extinct, right? That's the grayling. Um, it, w- it was given protection after it went extinct. Our other fish don't really have any legal protection. Um, and we're going to drive these fish to extinction if we if we don't kind of change the way that we do things. So, yes, people like white bait fritters. It's a rite of passage. But people like building pyramids. You know, we don't build pyramids anymore. Um, there's, there's different things we can do. Would you eat a white bait fritter? I've never had a white bait fritter. You're missing out. Well, I don't know if I am. 
you know, <laughs> there's mixed reviews. And and yeah. just, you know, it's it's one of those things where people say you must. And it's kind of like, well, is it worth it? You know, it's kind of a sad state to be in. It, it, yes, there's, there's, there's value to it and there's, you know, mahinga kai and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's valuable to preserve. But if we don't change the way we're managing fishery, we're not going to preserve that either. So, yeah, it's really hard to find an argument that says, yeah, it's great because it's just... It's one of those things, you want to bury your head in the sand and go, it's all fine, it'll all be fine. Um, but it's like climate change or, or general environmental degradation, it's not fine. Nice to have you in, Tom. Good on you. That's Tom Kay, forest and, fresh, forest and bird freshwater advocate who uh, is out, spelling out in pretty clear terms the state of uh, white bait in the country and <clears throat> not looking good over time. Meanwhile, the question of the, the day today is, what famous person have you bumped into and... Uh, gosh, there's some gold. I ran into Billy Connolly at a fishing shop in Topo and a chat, me remembering his story on his TV show where he wandered a street in Edinburgh with a six-pack under his arm listening for a party. He was happy to chat. Another one says, I bumped into Russell Crowe at a pub in Nelson on my birthday. He was very friendly and I had a beer with him. Uh, and uh, many more, well, 20 years ago, I bumped into Pete Postlethwaite at a pub in Auckland. My friends didn't recognise him, but I was in awe and enjoyed him for a pint. So uh, that is our question of the day. What is uh, a famous person that you bumped into said hello? We'll have uh, someone on that at 25 past four. Time for I've Been Thinking Moata. Take it away. Um, well, I mean, this is very much on theme with some of the things we're discussing today. Um, I've been thinking about just how in the lead up to an election, people just get really, really, um, I don't even know what the word is, but they, they, they kind of decide I'm team blue or I'm team red or team green. And they just kind of stop having any empathy for people who are at a different point on the political spectrum from them. And you just see these, you know, I see conversations online and it's stuff like, you know, oh, you, how do you criticise such and such a politician when your guy does this or, or that? And it's like, well, nobody's above criticism or, you know, people disregarding other people's opinions because, oh, well, that's just because you're a blue team and I'm red team. So, you know, I don't have to listen to you. And I, <laughs> you know, I just, I wouldn't ever want us to get to the position that you see the United States is in when you have so much polarisation at, at two ends of the political spectrum that's almost like people aren't inhabiting the same reality. Um, I don't want here? that for New Zealand. I, well, you know, we're starting to see some aspects of US politics coming into New Zealand and I really don't like it. And I want to kind of just, let's not go there, folks. Let's just remember that we all we all are human beings. Just leave a little crack of a window open for the possibility that that person is actually a human being. Um, Good on you, Moira. Great, I've been thinking. All right, uh, Mark, not Thomas, I've been thinking. I kind of agree, actually. It's a lot more feral. The couple of people that I mute on social media during every election from both sides of the spectrum. Uh, So for me, really, it's kind of on the same vein a little bit, but there are some significant issues, obviously, facing New Zealand right now, as there are in many parts of the world. For example, recently, as in Europe, 
they're paying $3.90 a litre for petrol at the moment, which is which is more than we are. Um, so we've got some issues that the rest of the world has got. We're probably at the rear of the pack because we've got a, quite a few significant ones to deal with. But just looking as we go into the election and all the campaigning that's going on, that it does become a bit of a show uh, and it's all sort of very glamorised and it's all uh, clickbaity and sensationalised from, from all over the political spectrum. I think we just need to have a bit of a reality check about what is actually going to be achievable uh, to fix things. Things aren't going to turn around overnight. So whatever's being bandied about and promised from the left, the right, the middle, wherever else, um, I think we need to sort of have a bit of a reality check around what's achievable. And I liken New Zealand to being a villa. We've purchased a villa, we're doing a reno, and we kind of haven't got enough money to finish it. That's how New Zealand feels right now, and I, I think I made that point on this show a few months ago about us becoming part of Australia, which was a bit controversial, but I think we've got to be quite realistic that things aren't particularly fantastic, and it's going to take quite you, some time. Are you still banging on about wanting to become part of Australia, Mark? <laughs> Viva Australia. Madness. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the panel, RNZ National. Mark North Thomas Moata Tamara, lovely to have your company.